Good morning, Living Stones. If you have your copy of Scripture, go to Luke chapter 2. I can't, can't believe Christmas is already here. Uh, that day that we've waited for has finally come, and there's been so much preparation going into today. Uh, in fact, it's, it's just uh, you hope that all the work is worth it. Some of you love Christmas so much that you're already counting down to next year. Uh, I, I remember kind of being that way as a kid. In fact, there's several things I remember about that. I, I remember not being able to go to sleep the night before Christmas, uh, just thinking about all the gifts I was going to get to rip open the next morning. Uh, morning. Uh, there's one year when we were boys, I have a younger brother named Mark, and, and uh, the, the, we, we just got to the place where we couldn't wait any longer, and our parents were gone, and so about a week before Christmas, we, we said, let's, let's just open up one gift just to see what it is, and we can wrap it up for mom and dad to get back and all that kind of stuff, and so we picked a, a gift uh, that it was kind of light, it was a kind of matching gift type thing. In fact, we were so close in age that a lot of times they, they kind of dressed us alike and stuff like that, but... Uh, we, we went there, our parents are gone, we get one gift, and we open it up, and we got busted by God. Uh, and I say that because we both opened Bibles, and so uh, it was, you know, like God busted us there. Uh, the bottom line is waiting is really hard. In fact, I read a recent survey that said 94% of us uh, are waiting for something, and that can be everything from a relationship to buying a car uh, to meeting Mr. and Mrs. Wright. We're all waiting for something. And in the waiting, there's something, and sometimes life can be like a, a jigsaw puzzle where, where we're always looking for the next piece, and as soon as we find that piece, we, we start looking for the next one, but except in life, we start looking forward to the next thing, and it's kind of like human nature. Some of us are better at waiting than others. In fact, back in the 60s, there was a psychologist named Walter Michel uh, who conducted the famous experiment that was later known, it's known now as the marshmallow test. And the test involved uh, groups of four-year-olds, and each one of them were given a marshmallow. And they said, if you can, if you can not eat that marshmallow for 20 minutes, we'll give you another one. But if you don't wait, we're not going to give you any more. And what they discovered in that experiment is that, that some kids could wait better than others. In fact, they, they followed the progression of each one of the children into adolescence, and they discovered uh, that, that the kids with the ability to, to wait were not, uh, were not only better adjusted or more dependable, but, but they also scored an average of 210 points higher on the SAT test. I'm pretty confident that my brother Mark and I would have eaten the marshmallow. The truth is, some of us just simply aren't good at waiting. And today I want us to look at a true story, a story found in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 25. It, it, says, it says, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was committed. He was committed to do the things of God. And it goes on to say he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what's that? The consolation of Israel refers to the promised Messiah who would one day come and make everything right. And so Simeon is waiting for the Messiah, the one who would come and comfort and support the nation of Israel. And at the time he was living, it was so uh, important. It was very much needed because Israel had lost their way with God. Not, not only had they forgotten who God had called them to be, 
But they had almost forgotten that there was a Messiah that was going to come one day and save them and rescue them. But not Simeon. For for the majority of his life, uh, he had lived with an eager expectation that the Messiah would come. And he's in the final season of his life. He's still holding out for hope. And he had good reason to, because as you continue to read, verse 25 says that, that the Holy Spirit had told him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah with his own eyes. And so generation after generation, stories were passed down to each generation that there would be a coming Messiah, the one that would come to rescue and restore Israel. And every year that it didn't happen, each generation probably became a little less hopeful that the Messiah would ever come. But again, not Simeon. I mean, his physical body was failing, but his spirit grew stronger as he waited for the Messiah. And I'm sure there's days when he went back and he looked at what the prophets had said and what the prophecy said to look for. And, and, and often he would, he would go to the temple and where, where he would watch and pray. And when couples would come and bring their newborn babies to be dedicated or consecrated to the Lord, he would ask God, God, is this the one? Is this the Messiah? And in those, those days that it didn't happen, he had to have left disappointed. But he kept coming back until one day. It finally happened. Verse 27 says, moved by the Spirit. Simeon went to the temple courts, and on that day, there was a young couple named Mary and Joseph that had brought their baby, a baby named Jesus, to the temple. And they were there for two reasons. One, for Mary to participate in, in a purity rite uh, that all women went through after childbirth. But second, they were there to dedicate, to consecrate their son unto God. Verse 28 says, as they entered the temple, that an old man, Simeon, this old man named Simeon came up, and he reached out his arm for the baby, which probably had to freak him out a little bit, I would think. In fact, it, it made me think back on times when Jana was pregnant with, with our kids, when complete strangers would come up and, and touch her belly. I mean, that kind of freaks you out. I mean, there was, there was one time I remember when this lady literally came up, you know, and babies grabbed her finger, and she stuck her finger in our young son's mouth. I mean, I'm sitting there, dude, what are you doing? I mean, just imagine a complete stranger going up to Mary and reaching out for the baby. But something must have eased her mind because Scripture says she handed him over to Simeon. And when she did, verse 28 says that, that Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he began praising God. And he was praising God because he was seeing what was promised. He was seeing God's promise being fulfilled. And starting in verse 32, he begins making some prophetic statements about their baby, both good and bad. The, the first is this. He said that, that he will be a light. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, not only does he point out the fact that Jesus is coming to Israel, but he's going to be a Messiah for all nations. That means anyone who would trust and believe in him, including you and me. Verse 33, Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about their baby. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, this child is destined to cause many, to cause many in Israel to fail, but, but he will be a joy to many others. 
He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And watch this. And a sword will pierce your own soul as well. It's pretty heavy. In fact, at this point, Joseph and Mary's heads had to have been spinning. I mean, they, they've gone from joy and amazement about Jesus being the light of the world to the heaviness of those last words that, that a sword would pierce their souls. In other words, Simeon is telling them, pain is coming to your doorstep. That had to be so confusing. But Simeon's just trying to prepare them, prepare them for what the future is going to hold. That some 30 years later, he's literally pointing to the cross. When Mary will witness the, the beating and the execution of her own son. Eventually, Mary and Joseph would feel the pain that Simeon talked about that day in the temple. And that, that's the last we hear or see of Simeon. And I, I'm pretty certain uh, that he died in peace, just like the Holy Spirit had promised. Simeon's story is a story of waiting. And, and though it's a little bit weird, it teaches us uh, some truths about waiting. That, and that, that's extremely relevant because at some point, all of us are going to wait for something. All of us are going to end up in the waiting zone. And like we said earlier, uh, it comes in all shapes and sizes, from relationships to jobs, uh, for situations to change. Maybe you're waiting for the end of pain or for an illness to subside. We all wait for all kinds of things. What I've noticed over the years, that most of the things I wait for, most of the things that I hope for, that they rarely happen the way that I think they ought to happen. And they're never on my timetable. God always has a different time. Sometimes I wonder if it's worth the wait. Because waiting can feel like wasted time. The Bible has a lot to say about waiting. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Just kind of let that soak in. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Psalm 27.14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Psalm 37, 7 uh, says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't live in worry or fret. Maybe one of the most famous, one that I remember my dad saying all the time, Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait before the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They, they shall walk and not faint. Kind of get the feeling that God thinks waiting is a big deal. That, that in those times when, when it seems like God is silent, when it seems like nothing is happening, that God is still at work. And he is. Because what I've discovered in my life and what Scripture teaches, I believe, is that the waiting zone is the primary place where we learn to trust God. That in those times when everything looks bleak and hopeless and our plans and dreams look like they're not going to happen, that God draws us close 
that waiting zone, and he, he, it's where he develops faithfulness and hope and perseverance. It's where we develop intimacy with God. God's working in the waiting zone. He's conforming us into his image, and as we learn to trust him, not only do we discover more about who he is, we discover a little bit more about who we are. We taste and see that the Lord is good. And in those times of unanswered questions, in those times of, 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 just where, just of waiting, that the one day we realize that there's nothing like the presence of God in the wait. Hebrews eleven six says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. That, that he promises to restore and sustain us in the wait as we seek God. In the middle of our circumstances, God gives us strength and it makes it worth the wait. Simeon was an example of that. He didn't leave a movement. He, he didn't form a community or build a resume or accomplish a bunch of things. Uh, he was righteous and devout. He was committed to doing God's will. And he did something that we can all do. He watched and he prayed and he waited. And as he did, he kept hope alive. Two questions I want to ask us this morning is, before we close, it has to do with this. It has to do with waiting. The first question is this, is what will you do while you're waiting? What will you do? I mean, will you seek God? Will you get in the Word? Will you seek and pray and obey? Or will you gripe? And will you just spend time on your phone just kind of scrolling and comparing your life to everyone else? Will you seek and pray or obey? Or will you waste your time away? Second thing is, what kind of person? First one is, what will you do while you're waiting? Number two, what kind of person will you become while you're waiting? I mean, will you become more negative or critical? Or will you be more faithful and patient? Will you learn what God wants to teach you in the waiting zone? Craig Rochelle makes this statement, and it kind of deals... Uh, talks about paying attention to what, what's going on inside of you. We, you know, we talk about all the time here that out of our heart uh, flow the issues of life. And, and you can tell where your heart is simply by the words you speak. In fact, Craig Rochelle says it this way, never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. And so what he's saying there is we need to pay attention to, to not only to who we're becoming, but pay attention to our heart. Listen to your words to see what's coming out of your heart. In those times of disappointment and delay, pay attention to your heart and, and notice what kind of person that you're becoming. Remember on this Christmas morning that God works in the waiting zone. And though it feels like he may have abandoned you, that he's neglecting you, he hasn't. He's conforming you. He's using that time to conform you to his image. He wants to write his story in and through you. So don't lose hope. In those trials, James says to consider it joy. Isaiah says that in those, that, that those who wait upon the Lord 
will gain new strength. They won't come, become weary. To this waiting is part of life. It's common. It's not an option. But we do have an option about what we will do and who we will become in the waiting. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we just come to you. We thank you, God, for just an opportunity to gather and just to rejoice uh, that the Messiah has come. Father, that seems to be a bit, little bit more meaningful this year. Thank you, thankful that you're a God who gives hope, who gives strength to the weary. in times of disappointment you don't run from us you run to us so Father God I just pray that you would teach us to remain where we are and to listen and to learn to like Simeon commit our way to you for your glory Father we love you in Jesus name Amen Well, Merry Christmas, Livingstones. I hope you have a wonderful day. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.